theme for that we're in and we've been going through is fight the good fight. If you were to ask yourself, what's a good fight? Now, when I was in elementary school, there was a few scuffles here and there, right? Kids push each other around, maybe knock each other over, right? And really, when you were in elementary school, when you saw little kids fight, it was because someone stole the football, someone stole the handball, you're taking too long with the tether ball, right? It's going to knock you out, right? Junior high, you know, as you're becoming older, discovering yourself, kids. I remember going to Acacia, and I can remember how many times I heard kids say, I'm going to meet you at the bike racks after school. No idea why it was the bike racks, but that's what it was when I was in junior high. We're going to meet at the bike racks, right? High school, you know, there was fights that broke out. Most of the time it was because maybe you looked at me wrong. You looked at my girlfriend, so I got to beat you up, right? And vice versa. I had a friend when I was in high school, and uh, when we would go Friday night, we'd go hang out at, you know, other friends' house and just drink cocoa and stuff. But uh, we'd always bring this one guy, and he was older, but I don't know why we brought him. But when we brought this guy to our friend's house for hangouts, if any one person, and, and I've seen it happen like four times with this guy, and then we stopped bringing him because he was just trouble. But if anyone just kind of looked at him, even just like out of the side, he would walk up and he'd just knock him out one hit, poof, gone. It's like, is that a good fight? That's not a good fight, right? How many of us have ever turned on TV and watched a boxing match? Right? Have you ever watched boxing before? Now, if you're watching a, a boxing match, two guys or two girls fight it out, beat it out, we would say the value of that fight, am I getting the value, by probably the length of the fight, right? How many rounds does it go? How far? Is one person getting their butt kicked? If one person gets knocked down the first round, is that a good fight? Eh, not so much. There's value in doing something really, really well. Now, this morning, if I was to give you a dollar, and, and let's say we all would get cash this morning based on how well we fight physically. There could be some of us who could get a dollar. Maybe we just don't fight very well, right? There could be some who would get a 20. Ah, we're getting better, right? I'm sorry I gave my 50 away the other day, 100. But you see, physically, we place a lot of value on a lot of different things. We, we will pay to watch somebody fight. We pay to watch TV because TV, how many of us know, is not free. We pay for these lovely devices, these absolutely, most of the time, right? They ain't free. In life, this world that we live in, there's so much value that gets placed on what we see, what we do. The challenge is, like Apostle Paul, and the reason that he wrote this verse in 1 Timothy 6.12, the Timothy, he said, Fight the good fight. Hold tight to eternal life, which God has called you, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. Timothy was a young man. He was called to be a preacher. He was going to be a pastor. He was going to be a preacher teacher. But he needed to learn how to use the gift that God had given to him. And so Paul was right into Timothy, and he's saying, you have to fight 
the good fight. You have to learn to fight the good fight. Fight hard. Fight like Floyd so that you can earn that value, those $1 billion. You have to learn how to prepare, train, and fight and so that you are ready for whatever comes your way. And secondly, in the language that he used there, he said you have to learn how to fight for everything that God has for you. And, and the way I look at it this morning is waking up, if you can remember as a kid, which wasn't that long ago for us, waking up Sunday morning, Christmas Day, whatever day it was, hopefully there was more than a couple presents Christmas morning. How many of us were excited, excited, excited to see Christmas presents under the tree? Now, when you're really, really little, there's some of us who believe in Santa. I was one of them, Right? Man, if there was no presence, then Santa just wasn't real, right? But it was exciting. There was someone, something that created the excitement, the anticipation to wake up Christmas morning looking for a present. Spiritually, what happens, it's like Christmas Day. God has all these gifts lined up. And he says, they're yours. But you got to fight for them. Some of us, the value in that present, we, eh, it's just a buck. It's not really worth much. Why would I fight for something that's not so worth, it's not worth much to me? Eh, 20. Now we're getting somewhere. I can buy four gallons of gas. Who would have thought that, right? Now 20 bucks is like, who cares? I mean, it's still kind of valuable. Way more than a dollar, right? But 20, it's not... It's not the same value what it used to have. 20 bucks, there's no way does it have the value what it used to have. When I was a kid, it's like, man, if I had 20 bucks, I was rich, right? 20 bucks, it barely gets me down the road, right? Depends what kind of car you drive this morning. And so the question as we start today is, do you see the value and the gift and what God has for you? Because if we don't see the value in the gifts that he has for us, then we're not going to fight hard for them. Then we're not going to fight hard for them. Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight. Now, if we were to think of other things that are good in our world, how many of us think that relationships, you know, having a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe a spouse, it's good, right? Do marriages and relationships, should they be fought for? Absolutely. How many of us, if we had the pleasure of having kids, at times we called them angels, at other times we called them other words we're not going to say right now. But at the end of the day, if you were a parent, would you say, my kids are worth fighting for? No matter, you know what I love about moms, no matter what a kid does, and, and moms, if you've ever watched moms, and I have the privilege to watch my wife, but kids can, you know, destroy the house, they can destroy the day. They can just fluster every mom through all the messes, through complaining and bickering and this and that. But no matter how mad and frustrated a mom could be at her kid, if someone wants to walk up and smack your kid on the face, <coughs> mom's frustration would fly out the window and it would switch, right? And the person who just hit my kid, you're dead meat. The value that a mom has for her kid. 
the value in what she sees in her kids. Kim and I had the privilege of teaching youth for 17 years. And I'll never forget, one of the greatest youth pastors, a guy named Ron Luce. <clears throat> and he started an organization back then, Acquire the Fire. And I'll never forget going to this one of these meetings for youth pastors. And it was about learning how to fight for the heart of youth. But really, at the end of the day, no matter what we have with technology, no matter what kids have in front of them, we have to fight hard for the youth and the generation today. There are, believe it or not, there are communities, there are politicians, there are people, there are groups, billions of dollars, billions. We're not talking pennies. We're not talking $10. We're not talking $5. Billions of dollars are spent. Why? For the youth of this generation. Fight the good fight. Husband and wife, good thing to fight for, absolutely. Boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah, if they're the right one. Kids, God's given them to you. Are we fighting like hell for the kids that we have in our life? Because if you're not, if we're not fighting like hell, you know what? Someone's spending billions to track the heart of your kid. Someone is spending billions to track the heart of your kids. They want to teach them. They want to train them. They want to prep them for how they want the next generation to be. So when Paul's saying fight the good fight, one of the things that we have to fight the good fight for is for our kids. And if we can't teach our kids the truth, if we can't fight for the heart of our kids, then they've already been given away. You know, it's just like being a dad, three daughters, and, and one day I get to pick out the three husbands. Well, maybe I don't get to pick them, right? I don't know if my daughter heard me. Selective hearing. Back in the old days, that's how it was, right? Parents got to pick out, you know, who your kids married. That one day, my three daughters will marry, you know, hopefully, three wonderful guys. And if they're not, I'll chop them to pieces. But if we haven't taught our daughters well, they're going to select losers, right? And if we haven't taught our boys, our two boys, well, then the girls they pick. Not so much, right? If we don't stand as adults to teach the next generation, believe me, there's lines. There's billionaires. There are world people who are financing the direction of the world right now. And how they want the next generation to go. They don't like us older people. They don't like Christians. They don't like believers. They don't like people who fight the good fight for faith. And so they're trying to dictate to this generation of young people what they should do next. Fighting a good fight. We should fight a good fight. One, we need to know what we're fighting for. We should know who we're fighting. And the value, the value, how valuable are our kids? How valuable is every kid? There are kids in town who don't have parents. There are kids who don't have a mom and dad. There are kids who are lost, they're hungry, they're starving. We know every 30 seconds a kid dies of starvation because they don't have good food. 
They don't have food. They have horrible water. It's gross and disgusting with germs. And so every 30 seconds, a kid dies of starvation. And so there are people spending so much money because you know what? They see the value. They see the value in the next generation. And they're willing. I'll clean the money up after church. I owe my daughter 50 bucks. I'd let you have it, but I got to give my daughter 50 bucks. Because you know what? The marketers, the groups, the politicians, they see the value in dictating to your kids, to my kids, what they want them to believe. Is love a good thing? Yeah. In the old days, was getting married and having a family a good thing? Yeah. Something to fight for. Kids, something to fight for. Having a family, something to fight for. Friends, something to fight for. With that this morning, our theme, remember, fight the good fight. Our, our topic for today is fighting for healing. Turn it over and say fighting for healing. You know, for Floyd, who was worth over $1 billion, he's learned to be valuable. And in my mind this morning, all of you are worth far more than that. And I know in God's eyes, the value that he sees in you, there's, there's no price tag in what God sees in you. There is no limit. There is nothing that can be placed on you, the value of his love. You are priceless, and you are so valuable this morning. What is a good fight? What is a good fight? What is something good to fight for? Have you ever said, I want to sit this one out, coach. I want to sit this one out. I'm going to sit this one out. I'm tired. I can't fight anymore. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. Have we ever been distracted? Has life ever been distracting? It's one of those playgrounds. I don't know if you remember, you know, playgrounds in the old days. Play, playgrounds can be distracting for a little kid. You could go anywhere. You could go to the beach. There's a playground. Still, a kid can be distracted. They can have the water to me as a giant playground, right? But you could put a nice big giant playground next to the beach. And how many kids are going to go and jump and slide because they're distracted? God's creation, the beach, the water, the surf, all those good things. But the playground is distracting. Where does the devil thrive in today? He thrives in the area of distraction. The devil thrives in the area of distraction. And that's exactly where he wants us. So our main text this morning, again, fighting for healing. Comes to us from Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 2. Here we go. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them clearly. They look like trees walking around, which is good if they're skinny trees, right? Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. His eyes were open, 
His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. So this is kind of a messy miracle. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a messy miracle. Because I don't know how you view spit. Most people view it as kind of gross. But there's people in, in this room that spit, right, at times. Right? And when we're sick, we definitely spit, I'm, I would think, most of us. Sometimes we got to get rid of that loogie, right, that those green, gross stuff that is in there. People in this day, they viewed spit as very unclean. So then why would Jesus take spit? Why would he spit on somebody's eyes? Why would Jesus, if it was so unclean, why would he spit? Why would he take something and spit on somebody's eyeballs who couldn't see? Jesus opened the eyes of many blind people in the Bible. What is so important about seeing? Every one of us this morning, we see, correctly? Whether we use glasses or um, those other lens things, whatever you call them, the um, contact lenses. Yes, thank you, babe, though. Most of us can see a little bit, right? We can see. And how many of us we love, we can look at the person next to us and we can say, yes, you're so beautiful, you're so handsome, you're so wonderful, or maybe not. But we can see and we love, it isn't a good, when we wake up in the morning, we can see the sunshine. For us to wake up in the morning and see the sunshine, it's oh, so beautiful. To see, to be able to see, to walk out into the night and to see the stars. If you live in a spot where you can see the stars. To see is something beautiful. It's a gift, right? To be born with vision. How important is vision? Proverbs 29, 18 says, well, where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no vision, where there's no direction. Because if you don't have eyesight, you have no idea where you are going. If you're blind, someone has to lead you, which means you have no direction. So physically this morning, we mostly can see, we can see pretty clearly some things far, some things not so much, right? Up close, maybe not so much. We can see. But the writer of Proverbs says where there's no vision. And he's not talking about eyesight in, in Proverbs. He's talking about spiritual vision. Spiritual vision to understand what God is doing, where God is going, where the world is going. How important is it to know where the world is going and trending? How important is it? Every season of life changes. How many of us have noticed from being 10, 20, 30 ish where we are now, how many of we've seen life changes? It's different now in our 30s than it was when we were 10. It's different in your 40s than when you were 15. It's different when you're 50 than when you're 20. Life changes through seasons. If we don't adapt and change to the seasons, we can't help fight for the next generation either. Life is learning to adapt. Life is learning to change. Not changing what we believe, but changing as the seasons go. When it's summer, most of us don't wear beanies in the summertime. But sometimes there are people who wear beanies in the summertime, right? Most of us do not. We would prefer, prefer, uh, we would prefer flip-flops, shorts. If you're going to go swimming in a pool, do you go fully dressed up or a bathing suit? Most of us would wear a bathing suit. You are prepared for what you're in, in the season. If it's winter, you dress warmer, you put more clothes on. We know how to dress and prepare for the seasons. But spiritually seeing the day that we live in 2023, 
if I don't have vision, if I can't see what God's doing, it says people perish. To see physically is a gift. To be able to see spiritually is a far greater gift. The value in the spiritual gift to see vision. Matthew 6.22 says, your eye, it's like a lamp. It provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your body is filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually dark, how deep is that darkness? Jesus describing eyesight is important. One of the many miracles he did while he was here, what did he do? Open the eyes of the blind. Was there a physical meaning? Yes. Was there a spiritual meaning? Way more important. Way more important, the spiritual meaning behind it. Because he said, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your spiritual eyes are good, when you are seen, when you're looking for God, blessed are those who have a pure heart for they see God. When your eyes are in the right place and looking and watching at what is right. It says it's a lamp for your body. So what you watch, it goes in. Sponges. How many of you have ever said kids are like sponges? They soak it all up. We are too. Let's not fool ourselves. We're sponges as well, no matter how old we are. What we watch, it goes into our brain, heart, mind, and soul. Everything you put into your eyes, it's a lamp into your soul. So what you are seeing physically and spiritually this morning it is going somewhere deep. And some of us like to sweep in the, uh, swim in the deep end. Jesus, he spit on the man's eyes. Gross. Everyone in that day viewed that unclean. That's gross. Why? Weird about this miracle, Jesus spit on his eyes, and maybe, maybe that's why the man's thinking it didn't work the first time. He didn't get healed immediately. He didn't get healed immediately. Jesus spit on him, lays his hands on the man, and he asks if he can see. And he says, no, everything looks blurry, like, like sticks walking around. Everything is blurry. Everything I'm looking at right now is blurry. Almost every single thing that we see Jesus do here in the New Testament, immediate, right? That's why we've learned to become immediate kind of people. We like stuff now. We want it to happen now, immediately. How many of us don't like when life is blurry? Have you ever been in a situation where everything seems a little blurry? Have you ever been in a spot? Have you ever been in a spot where you're saying, man, and it's not just our eyesight. I mean, if you don't sleep for days, vision can get a little blurry. But I think spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and most definitely spiritually, all of us can live in a blur at times. Kind of like the men in this story. And sometimes this is the area that we want to remain. Remember we were talking about being distracted? That's the devil's playground. He loved to keep us in the blur. Why? Because if we're blurry, if spiritually everything's blurry right now, if physically everything seems blurry... If everything seems mentally in my mind, I just got this massive fog in my brain. Emotions, it's bigger than a roller coaster. If everything's blurry, that's what the devil wants to keep you. Why? Because your eyes are the lamp into your soul. 
did Jesus leave this man that way? No. He prayed for him a second time. Turn to David and say, pray again. Pray again. Pray again. He prayed for him a second time. And he said, now I can see clearly. The rain is gone, right? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. And he started singing that song. How important is healing to Jesus when he was here? He healed thousands of people. Did he, did he like it? If he didn't like it, he probably wouldn't do it when he was here, right? How important was it to healing people? Jesus healed thousands and thousands of people. People who were demonically oppressed, possessed. Man, they got close to Jesus. Those demons just started freaking out. Screaming, running. Demonically, because the demons oppressed many people. Jesus rebuked them. Jesus got close and those demons had to flee. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind, the ears of the deaf. Jesus healed so many paralyzed people. Healing, important. How did this healing happen for these people? In this story, this man that Jesus healed and opened his eyes, it says the people brought him to Jesus. We don't see in this story that he asked for healing. We don't see, see his name. There's a lot of things we don't know about him other than it says people brought him to Jesus. How was this man healed? How? We know in Luke chapter 7, 1, there's a number of different ways and there's a number of different things that happened when Jesus healed people. There was a story in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. There was a man who had a, one of his people in his households who were sick and he came to Jesus and said, my servant is almost dead. He says to Jesus... I don't need you to come to my house. Jesus, just say the word. Sometimes it's, we're looking for healing. We're looking for someone, a physical touch. And at times, yes, that's important. But the man in this story, in Luke chapter 7, verse 1, he had enough faith to say, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to come see this person in person. Just say the word. Jesus, your name is powerful enough. Jesus, if you just say the word, you can bring healing by just saying the word. How? And the healing in the New Testament happens so many different ways. And I think it's important to understand and look at every different way people were healed. Well, this morning, that's what we're going to do. So we saw a blind man. He got spit on. And his eyes were open. He had to get prayed for twice. There was a story in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. A Roman officer whose servant was dying. Jesus spoke a word, instantly healed. Mark 7, 24. There was a woman who had a daughter possessed by an evil spirit. She came to Jesus. The disciples said to, this, to Jesus, can you send this woman away? She's bothering us. For the woman, she didn't give up. For this woman, she fought through the disciples. She fought through Jesus' words. She, thought, she fought through persecution until she got her daughter healed. So again, remember, we're tracking how do we get healed in the Bible. We're fighting for healing. Is healing, to be healed, a good thing? One, we have to understand, yes, to have healing for our bodies, to have healing for our souls. It is important. Did Jesus heal then? Yes. Does he want to heal now? Yes. Is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. We have to fight. We have to fight for everything that is good and right. Well, if we see the value in it, right? 
we can see the value in being healed. Jesus used spit. Jesus prayed two times. Jesus just said the word, and somebody was healed. For her mom, she got healing for her daughter because she fought through the disciples. She fought Jesus, not physically. Her mom fought through the persecution to find healing for her daughter. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, the popular story. There was a woman who bled for 12 years. She was at the point of dying. She said, it says that she suffered for so many doctors, 12 years of suffering, 12 years. She spent all the money that she had, and she didn't get better. She got worse, 12 years of suffering. But then she heard about Jesus, and her faith started to rise. She started to hear what Jesus was doing, and the faith started to increase. She saw, she heard what was going on in this day and in this time. And so then her faith got to the point where she said, if I could just get close, all I have to do is just touch a little bit of a piece of his robe. I can find healing. And for this woman who suffered for 12 years, she had to fight through crowds. She had to fight through people. For this woman, she had to fight for her healing. She had to fight through people. She had to fight to get close. But the minute she got close and touched the hem, just barely touched Jesus' robe, instantly, instantly she was healed. Instantly. Fighting. We see people in this story and in the New Testament, healing was immediate. Healing was instant. And then we see other people that they had to fight through something. They had to fight through someone. John 5 verse 1. John chapter 5 verse 1. There was crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, laying on the porches. One of the men had been lying there sick for 38 years. When Jesus knew him. Jesus saw him, and he knew that he'd been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, the sick man said. I've got no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus asked the man who had been sick for 38 years, do you really want to get well? Do you really want to get well? For this man, he was at a spot where the pool was a place that they considered to have healing power. Right? Any nice pool feels like a healing power, right? You jump in on a hot day, it feels wonderful. But they believed in this day that this pool, that angels would come down and they would stir the pool. And then whoever jumped in first did a good cannonball, they got healed. That's what they believed. But if, you're, if you've been sick for 38 years and you can hardly move, it would be hard to beat out the other people, Right? And so this man, he's, every day he had to watch other people run, jump, and get in there before him. No one. He said, I have no one to help me. I've got no one to help me. Mark 10, 46. There was another blind man sitting by the road. When Bartimaeus heard, and his name is given, that Jesus was coming by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people said. What did he do? He shouted louder. Shouted louder. Fighting for a miracle. The fight of our life. Our theme, fight the good fight. Timothy was a good man. Timothy was going to be a good preacher. Timothy was going to go on to do great things for God. But at this point in his life, when Paul penned that verse, fight the good fight, he had to learn to fight harder for what God had given to him. 
Timothy had to learn, I need to fight harder for something that is good. I have to fight hard for everything that is right. And sometimes in life, it's easy. And we love it when life is easy. We love it when life is easy and comfortable. But when, we, when, when it's not easy and comfortable, when life becomes a fight, let's be honest, most of our natural tendencies are, I'm just going to step away. I'm just going to back up. I'm just going to sit this one out, coach. The game's been too long. My legs are tired. I'm out of breath. It's at that moment where the devil starts to get victory in our lives because I want to sit out. I don't want to go forward. I can't go forward. I can't live. I can't believe the way I used to believe. I can't. How can I? I'm tired. Seems like this year, 2023, I've really seen so many people fighting through so many different things. Through spiritual matters, through physical matters, through emotional matters, through mental matters. So many different things. And so, you know, as I was praying, this is the theme that God put on my heart. People today, we have to fight harder than we ever have had to before. To make a dollar, and it's not really, doesn't have the same value that it used to. But to just make a buck today, it seems like it's harder to make a buck than what it used to be. To make five, twenty, a hundred, harder than what it used to be. To make a hundred thousand, it's harder than what it used to be. Everything seems to be harder today than what it used to be. It's the day that we live in. Eternity, one day when we step from this life to next. Jesus said the road to heaven, it's not easy, not comfortable. It's very small. And only a few find it. You have to fight to get to eternity. When you pass from this life to the next, do you want to be in heaven or do you want to go to hell? You have to fight to get to the right place. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find people who still have faith on the earth? He said, those will be saved who endure till the end. Why? Because the closer we get to the end, the harder the fight becomes. Harder the fight becomes. And so that's why Jesus said, even at the end, he said, there's going to be many people who turn away. They're going to turn away from the Bible. They're going to turn away from believing. They're going to turn away from church. They're going to turn away from God. Because they gave up the fight. If being spiritual is hard, how many people have given up the fight? If being healthy is hard, how many people have given up the fight? We see in our story, in our text, there's a blind man who had to fight through his healing. It took being prayed over two times. It took being spit on, for goodness sakes. We see a mom who had to fight through being told, shut up, be quiet, get away from here, shoo, shoo, get away. We see another mom, again, had to fight. A woman who bled for 12 years, she had to fight through the crowds. She had to fight through all the doctors, all that fighting to believe, to be healed. We saw a guy in the story who said, he was told to be quiet, just like one of the ladies. And it says he kept shouting louder. Are we shouting loud enough this morning? Are we shouting loud enough for what we really desire? Are we shouting loud enough? Are we praying long enough? Are we praying enough? Are we praying and believing in enough? It took two times. And I think for the guy in this story in our text this morning, he probably was a little frustrated. Because if he knew that most people were healed instantly, 
I bet he was frustrated that he didn't get healed right away. How many of us, if we're honest this morning, could be frustrated with God because something didn't, didn't go the right way? If we could be honest with God this morning, whether it's financially, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, how many of us have ever gotten frustrated with God? And I think that's where the blind man was in this story. Shoot, if Jesus can raise the dead, walk on water, and people, they just get close to him and he's in, they're instantly healed. How come I didn't get instantly healed? How come Jesus spit on me? I got the gross healing. I got the gross one. How come I was picked for that one, right? How did I get picked for this, this uh, TV show, right? How did, I get, how did I get picked to be the actor in this one? I got the gross one. I'm sure there was some frustration. And I wonder between the healing of seeing things blurry and being able to see clearly, what started going on in his head? And I wonder if he started to give up. And I wonder if the frustration started to mount. Or I wonder the opposite side. Maybe he was a glass half full kind of person. And maybe he started saying, I'm close. Ooh, I feel it. The healing is just around the corner now. I wonder if he started thinking positively and he started going, oh, man, look, I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there. I can start to feel something in my body is tingling. And I wonder this morning, which way was he thinking? But really more important, which way are we thinking this morning? And if we were to ask ourselves, where do I need healing today? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us in ourselves or know people who need relationship healing. How many of us know parent-kid relationships that need healing? How many of us know people who are dealing with anger and depression, anxiety, loneliness? We say that, we, you know, we mention it quite a bit because anxiety and depression are the number two things people deal with in our world. Anxiety and depression, it is the largest mental illness. And it's not, you know, to say people have a mental illness because they have anxiety or depression doesn't mean people are crazy. You know, there's many people we drive around heaven and we say they're crazy for sure. But we don't look at people who are stressed out and have anxiety and depression and call them crazy. But it is classified as a mental illness. And I wonder how many people do we know have classified as a mental illness today that could use the healing power of God. I wonder how many physical healings do we in ourselves, in our bodies, in our minds, in our emotions, but really spiritually, in our communities. You know, in 2 Chronicles 7.13, this is a really popular verse, and I'm going to get to the part that everybody knows. 2 Chronicles 7.13, it says, at times, this is God speaking, I might shut the heavens so no rain falls. I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or I could send plagues among you. Now, most everyone doesn't really talk about 2 Chronicles 7.13, but let me read it one more time. At times, God says, I could shut the heavens so that no rain falls. Command grasshoppers to devour your crops, bill collectors. I can send plagues among you so that you're sick. But here we, the writer gets to the most popular part, verse 14. But if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, 
I will forgive their sins, and I'll restore their land. And I wonder how many of us, our community, could use a little healing. So there's so many different types of healing that is needed. Our land, this beautiful, wonderful, hem it is heaven kind of place, this valley. It used to be an old bumper sticker. Hard to find, but it used to be. How many would agree Hemet could use some healing? How many would agree that some of us, man, shoot at 46, I could sit down for 30 minutes and I can stand up and my body says, you're not as young as you used to be, John. Right? Driving yesterday, 14 hours, get out of the car. Woo! <clears throat> not as young as we used to be. These bodies, how many of us physically need a touch from God? Mentally, let's be honest. One of the biggest areas where I think we are not honest is in our mental struggles. And I think that past scars, I think past things that have happened to us, I think they linger in our brain and they build. Why are counselors and psychiatrists paid millions of dollars? Because people talk to them every single day. And they work through little issues, and they work through big issues. And I think today, more than ever, there are mental issues that need, we have to be healed from. Emotionally, we have such a confused generation of people. Why? Because, remember, there's someone spending billions of dollars to confuse us. There's, there's someone spending billions of dollars to confuse us. Just like they're confusing the kids, you know what? We have as many confused as adults. There's many confused guys and girls, guys and girls, girls and guys. There's only two, girls and guys, right? There are so many confused adults. Why? Because just as many those marketers are spending billions of dollars on little kids, they're spending them on you too. Why? Because they want you to play at the playground. Be distracted. If you think about the past for a minute, how many of us can look back into our past and say, ah, those were good times. Ah, the past. Whoo, good stuff. But how, how many of us can look back and say, man, there was some dark times too. How many of us this morning can look at our president and say, the theme is just live your best life now. Right? That's all I'm trying to do, live my best life now. And that sounds good. It's also in the satanic Bible, do whatever makes you happy, number one commandment. Sure sounds like live your best life now. Number one commandment, satanic Bible, just do whatever you want to do. Interestingly, that's a very popular thing for people today. Live your best life now. And then you think about the future for a minute. I think the future for many of us is scary. And I think pre-COVID, we weren't scared about the future. If we had to go stand on the corner, we have people who make a thousand bucks a day in Hemet, standing on the corner getting cash. Six years ago in our brains, we used to think, if it gets that bad, no big deal. I'll go stand on the corner. Not now. For some reason, the future for us seems scarier than what it used to be. Fear. Fear is one of the biggest destroyers of life. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen tomorrow? I'm so afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. Jesus said, you can't worry about those things. And so the past, I think it's very damaging at times, and we have to let go. I think the present moment, if we're only living for the moment, we're being foolish. And let me put it to you this way. 
How many people have ever said, you better save your dollars for a rainy day? Right? How many of us ever heard that back in the day? Oh, okay. Well, then how many of us are saving spiritually for the future? If your home is supposed to be in heaven, if your life, in your, in your life, in your heart, mind, and soul. We've heard about cash. Remember, we, oh, we get the value real good. It's a $5 bill, gallon of milk, right, gallon of gas. We get that. Save for a rainy day. But are you saving spiritually for your rainy day? Have you saved up enough in that spiritual tank for that rainy day? The past for some of us is damaging and it has to be let go. And there's issues that we have to work through from our past, scars that have not healed. This morning, God wants to heal that. The present moment, so many, so many of us are living distracted because we're trying to live our best life now. And God wants us happy. And the Bible says laughter is the best medicine. Laughing. Laughing is the best, best medicine. Being around dorky people and laughing all the time is the best medicine. That's why we surround ourselves with dorky people so we can laugh all the time. Laughter is good medicine. But if all we do is live for now, if it comes to financial terms, what would you call yourself? A fool. So spiritually then, <clears throat> spiritually this morning, physically, if you're not a fool because you saved for a rainy day. If spiritually, if life is more important spiritually, are you saving for that spiritual moment? And how much have you put in that tank? Because that is way more important. Why twice? Why did it take twice? Because you know what? We live in a physical and a spiritual world. I think Jesus had to make a point in this story. Did it need? Did he need two times? No. If any of us play sports, sometimes shooting in a basket takes way more than two times, right? But sometimes if you miss once, you miss one free throw, I'm going to get the next one, right? I'm going to get twice. Did Jesus need a second shot? Absolutely not. He was proving a point then. But what's the point? We live in a world that is physical and spiritual. What is more important? If you can't get the spiritual world down, you'll never get the physical one. If you can't get the things in the spirit down, you'll never understand the physical ones. The spiritual world is far more important than the physical world we live in. Because in this physical world, I can tell you good news, it's only going to get more pretty. We saved up enough spiritually to be ready for what happens next. We live in a spiritual, physical world. Nothing, nothing is automatic. Nothing in life is automatic. No matter what anybody tells you, nothing is free. There's nothing free in life. Nothing's automatic. What is it? What is it then? It is time <clears throat> that we learn how to fight better. That we learn how to fight better. You know, kids today, I don't know if you watch kids fighting, and they really try to make it pretty. I don't know if you've seen kids fight today. You know, they've like, they've watched so many boxing videos, it's hilarious, because every one kid who gets in a fight now, you watch them, and they're trying to imitate their, fam their favorite boxer, right, what they've seen. And they're trying to make a fight look so pretty. In the old days, when I was younger, it didn't need to look pretty. I'm taking you out quick. I need to get the job done quick, right? 
us older people, if it was going to happen, it was going to throw down, I'm not standing around to see who's the last one standing. I'm going down quick, right? I'm going to take you out. It doesn't need to look pretty. And I wondered this morning how many of us need to change the way we fight spiritually. Because if we're not fighting and not seeing the value, and I can't throw another dollar bill because I'm out. If we're not seeing the value in fighting spiritually, then we're losing the good fight. And then we're losing in relationships. And then we're losing in marriages and families and kids. If our kids and our families and our marriages and our relationships are not fighting hard for them today, I'm telling you, someone's already in line with millions and billions. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, keep on asking. Maybe asking once isn't enough, so keep on asking. Maybe asking twice isn't enough. Keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. It's hard to read this verse when we keep on asking and we don't get it. Right? Keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking. The door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Matthew, Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up, thrown into the sea. It will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you the truth, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, Jesus said, first forgive anyone who you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven can forgive your sins too. Where does healing, where does it all come from? The very, the very basics of healing. It's faith. It's what we believe. And it's the value of that belief. Is it a dollar? Is it five? Is it 20? What's the value of my faith? What do I place in the value of my faith in God? What's the value I place in his word? Is it a dollar, five, 20, 100? Faith comes from hearing. The more that you hear, the more that you read, the more that you listen, the more faith you're going to get. And it takes faith. The healings that we read this morning, there's men who had faith. There's women who had faith. But they fought hard to be healed this morning. They fought hard. So this morning as we wrap up, one last thing that I'd like to say. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Here's some parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us Jews, Gentiles, slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same Holy Spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm on a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Harmony among 
the body parts so that all the members care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts should be honored together. All of you together are Christ's body as each of you are part of it. <clears throat> Paul said, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, leadership. So where would we struggle today in the church? Not just our church, the church as a whole. All of you have gifts. But it says if we're not moving in our gifts, then the body suffers. Some of you in here this morning, God's given you the gift to believe that when you pray for somebody, they are instantly healed. God's given you the gift of healing. God's given you the, some of us this morning that are here, we have the gift to teach and to preach, to serve, to be a leader in the church. If we don't each do our part in the gifts of the church, it says what? The whole body suffers. And so this morning we're going to pray for two things. And then we're going to wrap up and we're going to get out of here. Number one, any part of us that need healing, let's ask God. Let's humble ourselves to ask God this morning. God, heal our bodies. Heal my mind. Heal my heart. Heal my emotions. Heal the love, the love area, the deficit of my life, whatever it may be. And then secondly, secondly, let's pray for, God, where is my spiritual gift? Because if I'm not moving in that gift, then I'm not helping the body. God's giving you a gift. You are, you are an awesome and an amazing individual. There is a gift inside of you. See, sometimes, again, we don't see the value. And so some of us, we, we look at ourselves as just a dollar bill. When you're worth billions, trillions, because you don't see the value that God has placed inside of you. God has placed gifts and spiritual gifts inside of you. That when you move in those gifts... Things shake and move and happen because you start to operate in the gift that God has for you. When I was young, I never read any books. I did not like reading. When I went to school, I didn't do book reports. I didn't do homework. I made it through high school A's and B's because I was nice to my teachers. Thank you, Hammond High. I didn't like book reports. I didn't like homework. I didn't want to do anything except have fun and goof off, right? <clears throat> but when I got saved at 19, God says, I want you to do this. That's something I've ever did before. There's gifts that are different than what we're used to. And maybe they take some extra prayer. And maybe they take, take some extra care. But you have to see the value. You have to see the value in what God has for you. The value of helping other people. The value in doing what God's put you here to do. Let's pray.